I think that the uh, the rollout for this album was the greatest rollout of all time <laughs> for an album. Really? I think it was better than Get Rich or Die Trying and College Dropout. Well, why is that? Because it was his last album. It was emotional. Like it had an emotional tie. We thought we we thought this was it. Like literally, he was going places and like he was getting a retirement tour, like how Kareem Abdul-Jabbar did when he retired, yeah. or like Kobe did when he retired. Mm-hmm. Like the way he was getting treated was like how like athletes get treated when they retire from their respective sport. Welcome to Rap in Order, the interrogation of a hip-hop album, where we take some of the culture's most beloved hip-hop albums, put them on the stand, see if they stood the test of time. Now let's see who we got on the stand today. These are their stories. Welcome to another episode of Rap in Order. I'm First Class Reg. Ho! It's Tori of B. This is, I see this 2003 energy right now that you got going. <laughs> I see the, the chain, the hat. This is a whole fit. <laughs> this is a whole fit. So in case you can't tell where we're going with this, we're doing a Hove album. Yes. Not just any Hove album, though. This was supposed to be his last studio album. This was his grant. This was his departure. This was his jersey in the rafters. This was, you know, this was the end all be all for Hove or what's supposed to be. And I'm talking about the Black Album. It was released in 2003. Um, this album was heavily marketed as Jay-Z's last album. He was going to hang it up for good. He kind of teased that with every album up until this point. He was saying this would be his last album. This would be his last album. And so people admittedly, you know, they didn't believe him. They didn't believe him when when the marketing came around for this album. But then he started doing interviews. He kind of was doubling down. And... Um, Leading up to this, you know, the Fade to Black uh, movie uh, documentary rather came out to support this album, um, and then it felt more real. Uh, what can you remember about this time frame? That uh, as a whole fan back then, how did you feel going into this album, and did you really feel like this would be his last album? I genuinely did feel like this would be his last album. I'm kind of, as you guys probably know, I am like a Jay Z fanatic, so. I knew for a long time that his goal was to be, move into the executive room, and I just believed, like, in the, the the way things were going in music, he wanted to be a businessman. I thought, you know, I felt like that was, like, a real thing, and I felt like, okay, like, there's these new crop of artists coming around, and mind you, like, we didn't have a lot of rappers that were, like, having flourishing careers after the age of 40, so I believed him when he said that. Mind you, I was, what, 17, so... You know, who was out of question that man? But I just believed that he would because I just was like, all right, he got this new artist, Kanye West, coming out. And Kanye wasn't Kanye at that time yet. But he had Kanye West, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, we knew that Rockefeller was breaking up. And, like, we didn't know what that would look like yet, mm-hmm. right? Because they didn't they didn't do the, the official breakup. But, like, I'm like, all right, well, you know, Rockefeller Records is still a thing. Beanie Siegel, Memphis Bleak. Like, I just thought, like, he really was going to try to prop up artists that were signed to the label. I, I really believed it. And I was excited because, like, I heard, like, what was going into making the album. I don't know if you remember this, but before it was a, a a promo sticker that they were giving out. And it had the album track list with all of the producers for yeah, each yeah. track. Yeah, I remember that. And it was, like, a wish list. And it was, like, the most amazing track list of producers I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. And um, 
If I'm not mistaken, you want me? I can name them. Yeah, yeah. Got my notes. So, it was supposed to be the Neptunes, Just Blaze. No, I'm sorry. So, let's see. Okay, here we go. The Just Blaze, Kanye West, the Neptunes, Timbaland, Rick Rubin, DJ Quick, Eminem, Knife Wonder, W. Kent. Damn it. The Buchanan's. But that was who was on there. No, his wish list. Okay. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen. So this was his list, his wish list. The Neptunes, Just Blaze, Dr. Dre, DJ Premier, Rick Rubin, Swiss Beats, Kanye West, Trackmasters, mm-hmm. Eminem, DJ Quick, Ski, and Timbaland. Mm-hmm. We didn't get Dr. Dre because they, you know, schedule conflicts. Swiss Beats, scheduling conflict. We didn't get Trackmasters just because I don't know. I never got that answer. Um, DJ Premier, they said that Jay-Z had like an idea of what he wanted the track to sound like. And Primo gave him back something completely different. And then that's how um, Ninth Wonder was able to get on the track. And Ski, we didn't know. And like Ski was somebody that he worked with early on. Yeah. um, From like when Dame had original flavor and everything like that. But um, I was excited when I saw that original track list. Because I thought like in my mind, I'm like... How is this not going to be the greatest rap album to ever be made? Mm-hmm. Like, how can you miss? And I was just, like, really ecstatic for it. And I was just like, yo, what is this going to look like? Oh, my God. I got to get to New York and go to these Master Square Garden shows. Like, but he came to Atlanta. Like, he, I, I got lucky because he didn't, he, like, we, I thought, like, he was doing those shows and that was it. And mm-hmm. then he did the Jay-Z and Friends tour mm-hmm. after he beat, you know, Tata Spray, Ta- yeah, um, no, R. Kelly with the, with the pepper spray. Mm-hmm. But I just thought that this album was just... No one could tell me that this album was going to be the greatest album of all time in my head. I thought that this album was going to top Reasonable Doubt. I thought that this album was just going to be the the best thing ever. Like, g- genuinely, I thought, like, if Aliens came down and asked us to present them the best music ever, we were going to have to give them the Black Album. The black. This is I was 17 on. years old. <laughs> I'm just telling you. I was 17. Um, So... A lot of what you said like rings true for me too. Like, I mean, I was in I was in Detroit at the in this time frame. And um I think at this time they premiered What More Can I Say first on the album in in mm-hmm. you know in Detroit. They played that everywhere on the on that the radio. The first, that was the first time. Okay. So they played that on the radio and um I was like, Oh my God, like the way he ended that off with the acapella, I was sold. I was like, yo, this shit is gonna be crazy. Um Mind you. When they when when that was given the radio, mm-hmm. the gladiator samples were not cleared. Oh, so that was a big thing. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a it was a big deal like leading up to this because I was like, yo, this nigga has been dropping an album. You know, at this point, a Jay Z album was just the norm, yeah. right? Because from '96 to '03, he mm-hmm. dropped the album every year, which was like unheard of at that time. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, now niggas is dropping albums every couple weeks and. Yeah. The you know the time span is shorter, um, but back then, uh, artists dropping quality content every every year was like unheard of. So you know, Hove kind of got us used to that. And um, with this dropping, I'm not gonna lie, I didn't believe it that it was his last album. I was just like, I don't know, I, I don't I don't think it will be. But then I remember seeing him on TRL. I remember he came out on TRL and they hung up a jersey for him that mm-hmm. said S. Doc Carter. Carson Daly like rolls a jersey up 
and everybody was like clapping. There was people in the crowd just like emotional about it. And I was like, well, damn, all right, well, this, <laughs> this really real. might this be happening. Real. This really might be real. And then he went on 106 and he was talking about it. Like it was like really like him making his last rounds. And I remember he went on Rap City and he was taught and um he did a free he uh did a booth freestyle with uh with Tigger and he put a buy black shirt over the mic mm-hmm. just to say like yeah this is is done or whatever like when I they I think he retired that mic after Jay Z rapped on it mm-hmm. um but this was this was a special era because in a lot of ways it was you know the end of Jay Z as we knew him and then that same year we were getting like an onslaught of different artists because like we had um uh Beg for Mercy came out maybe mm-hmm. a week before this. Um, and I was like, oh shit, like this is kind of like, you know, out with the old and with the new, so to speak, right? Because mm-hmm. you're like, we had the excitement of 50 that whole year. And then leading into, like you said, Kanye coming out in 04, that following February. So it was like, damn, like, all right, I think maybe we'll be good. And, you know, if this is his last shit. I thought Papoose was going to save us. Wow. <laughs> See, I never even thought that. I didn't think that. I mean, I, was, I like. I was Pap. heavy. I was heavy in the Pap's mix. I like. I like Pap too, but I never even gave him that kind of. I was in the dark space, man. But a lot of people, and and I'm glad you brought that up too, because it just it just reminded me that um, when Hove was leaving, there was kind of like this air of like, yo, who's next up? Who's next up? And I, a lot of people looked to Fab at this time, if you remember, right? People looked to Fab and was like, yo, yeah, it's your time. And then I think Fab signed to Def Jam. They did a trade. Yeah. So they traded Music Soul Child and Fabulous. So um, Music Soul Child went to Electro Records and, and Fabulous came to Def Jam. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know you could do that. I was like, you mean like in the NBA? <laughs> like I was shocked. <laughs> like they did a swap. That shit like that's still happening, right? Yes. Yeah. I feel like, like that something was, like that, that happened was, with Atlantic recently. Yo, bro, that was mind blowing to yeah. me. Like I like my mind you, ladies and gentlemen, I read the Source Double XL and Vibe magazine. Like every music magazine, like religiously, like mm-hmm. this was you know before like I understood how to use the internet and chat rooms and stuff like that. So I was just reading magazines again, all my information nonstop from magazines. So when I read that, I just couldn't fathom. I was like, what the? F-? I, I was like, are they like like do they have stats like NBA player? Like how do you trade a, a artist? Mm-hmm. I didn't know it just you know swap contracts. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, I think you know. When you look at the when you look at everyone that ended up producing the album, it wasn't that far off. I mean, you named Dre, you okay, said Dre yeah, didn't so, make it. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they were supposed to be twelve producers. We wound up getting fourteen. So we wound up we 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 kept just Blaze, we kept Kanye, the Neptunes made it, Timbaland made it, Rick Rubin made it, DJ Quick made it, Eminem made it. The the new ads to the album were Knife Wonder, W Cannons, and Aqua. Mm-hmm. So and then the other thing is is that Just Blaze wound up being on credited on four tracks. Yeah. Kanye and the Neptunes did two and everybody else got one. So that was like also like a thing because like Just Blaze cuz mind you remember in the in the Fade to Black Jay-Z was on Just Blaze ass the whole film yeah. because like there was this this funny internet rumor that Just Blaze basically makes beats so he can like fund his video game addiction. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And everyone was saying that he was like this really like lazy talented producer that basically he just makes like these amazing beats so that he can like basically buy old Ataris and beat the games and mm-hmm. shit like that. Mm-hmm. So it's funny like to see Jay on him like that and then to know that he had four placements on the project. Yeah. Yeah, I think um 
Just Blaze, when it comes down to it, he is one of the greats. Uh, but I always feel like I'm not getting enough from him. You think he's a thief? Why? Why would I think that? You're going to get you? into that. All right. Well. You're going to get into that. Okay. I do. I am curious to hear why. But he does. two cases that, that kind of look kind of sus. All right. We're going to get into that. Mm-hmm. Um, pinpoint that. Uh, he kind of he kicks off the interlude for this album, mm-hmm. which a lot of people kind of bypass, but I think it's really dope. Um, did you know that Just Blaze is actually the one talking on this? Yes. Yeah. So a cool fun fact about that also, right, is that um, but the they got so there's like vocals on there, like there's I think on there there's Biggie vocals on on the beginning of the of, of the intro, right? Nah, it's all just Blaze. It's all just Blaze. Mm-hmm. So no, okay, no, that's on my first song that they got the Biggie one. Yeah, yeah I got it mixed up. Yeah. But so for that one, the intro like is just really dope because it's like setting the mood for like what we're about to hear. Mm-hmm. Because like you're hearing that and it's just, it sounds like like uh uh so another thing is that a lot of the soul samples are set in the seventies. So the way that this opens, it opens like some like seventies shit. Yeah, yeah. It kind of, I love the way that the production I feel in. like a lot of cigarettes is being smoked and like, you know, like a lot of cognac was being drank. If I listen to this and think about it, close my eyes and hear it. Like, I just I just feel like a lot of Newports is being burned. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, do, it does set the it, mood in that yeah, way. It sets the mood like that. Like, Just Blaze comes on the track, he's just, he's just talking and like, I feel like a lot of people just bypass it because it's just like, it's super like low. Yeah. So people kind of just really just go into the next song, which yeah. I, I get, but like, this is a perfect kickoff to an album. Like Just Blaze, amazing. Kickoff. He switches his uh, he switches his voice a little bit, so you can't really tell it's him. But he's mm-hmm. just talking. He's like, "Oh, the other night when I was researching what was gonna be discussed today, I came across a passage wrote down. I think it really exemplifies what the young brother next to me was just talking about. But it goes into this whole analogy of um, of one day leaving a legacy through the seeds as it drops to the ground. Wind carries these seeds through where whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. Kind of talks to what he sees is coming next for him and leaving something behind to usher in like kind of a, a new legacy, so to speak. I thought it was really dope. Um, they interviewed Just Blaze about it and he was like, yeah, no, I don't even remember what I said, honestly. <laughs> but when you listen to it, <laughs> when you it listen to it, so it fits yeah. and, it's, and it sounds introspective. It doesn't take away from it still being dope. Um, but then, of course, that ushers in December 4th, which is the second song on this album. Which Hove kind of has his mom um, usher in for him. That was like one of the sweetest things ever, and I thought that was really like dope for him to like bring his mom in. And I think that that was another reason I was like, oh, he's leaving. This nigga got his mother on his album. Like it yeah. just like something like something like that. Like who, like most rappers don't let don't don't cross those worlds. Don't, they don't mix those worlds. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he was doing that, it was just like very like personal to me. Like this album, like him doing that and bringing his mama and like giving his autobiography and like yeah. him rapping, just telling, doing that, mm-hmm. it was just very personal. And like him, and it's funny because it's like you could tell that uh, his mother always tells stories about him as mm-hmm. a child. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yo, yo, ma, tell him, tell him how I learned how to ride a bike when I, before I was six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? You gotta like stunt that. as a rapper. Yeah, you gotta like, have your mom stunt. Yeah, you. so he's just like, yo, like, yo, ma, like, 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 yo, yo, tell him how I'm the only kid that ain't give you no pain at birth, you know, yeah. shit like that. Like, I think that's. That Tell him how real. I was 10 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> that, yes. <laughs> um, but no, it was a it was a great way to really, really bring in the feel of this album. Um him talking about his his mom and how his dad met and like uh you know, made love under the sycamore tree. That whole bar was just so dope. Yeah. Um 
It's a really, really clean sample. It's not enough to say about this song. I think it's a, it was a perfect way to kind of kick this album off for yeah, what we it, thought would be the yo, last that we hear. Yo, it was amazing. I don't have anything else to say, but I'll be repeating mm-hmm. Um, And then, shit, what more can I say, <laughs> right? Yo, the way he ends this verse... Mm-hmm. Was the way so, he end, the way he ended the song? Yeah, the way he okay. end, like the way he ends the song, right? On what more can I say? Like I'm not a biter, I'm a writer for myself and others. I said, oh, yeah. big verse, I'm only big enough, my brother. Mm-hmm. Big enough, my burrow. I'm big enough to do it. I'm that thorough. Plus, I know my own flow is foolish. Yo, like basically giving that verse, and then like at the end, he's like, "We'll see what happens when I no longer exist." Mm-hmm. Fuck this shit, and you hear him open hear the door him. out the booth. Yeah, I'm just like and like throw his fucking my, uh, yeah headphones. throw his headphones and shit. Like I'm just saying like that. That right there, like, just gets you hyped because you just like, oh, he's fed up with these yeah. niggas. Like, he's like, don't you understand what I'm doing? Like, you know, I just thought that that was just fucking impressive. And it's just like you hearing that. And the key line in this that became uh, Buster Rhymes' villain arc. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I animated, like, say, a Buster Rhymes. Yeah. And, I, and it's funny because it's like he really wasn't trying to diss Buster. Like, Buster is animated. Like, mm-hmm. that's obvious if you watch his fucking video. Yeah. Like, it wasn't a, a slight. It's just like, damn, you about to end your career on this? I can't even battle you, nigga. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I get that. Um, So it goes into, and I didn't want to go track for track. It seemed like we're kind of doing that. But right. um, we go into Encore, right? Mm hmm. Where Encore, my problem, okay, so my issue with this album is some of the placement. I feel like Encore should have been the first song after the interlude. I think that would have been amazing. It it should have been either the first song or the very last song. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. It should have, like, it's an Encore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I think Encore, in a sense, it could have been the second track that kind of led in Mm -hmm. and then speaking to the title of like this being his last album you know we can keep it on that level or it could have been a last song where it's just like all right yeah yeah, that was that was that was on hip-hop lines right there they dropped the ball yeah i mean that could have been that just could have been perfect but either way encore is a great song Mm -hmm. um the sample is amazing um only kanye man only kanye yeah nah i think that like kanye he's a visionary and like when he when he's when his back is against the wall, like there was competition there. Like he was competing to get placement on that album with other producers. And I think that like he delivered. Cause remember, um, he sent, but like he was like, I forgot what was going on. I think he was finishing his album and he was pissed off that he couldn't get into, he heard that everybody was going to the studio working with Jay at Baseline. Mm-hmm. And originally he wasn't there when Jay heard the song and he was like, I gotta be there. And like mm-hmm. he was telling um, G. Robeson, Hip hop, who who his managers at the time, like I gotta be there. I need to, I need to explain to him what I need him to do. Like mm-hmm. this ain't working. Like I like I need him to do it. So like he got there, flew there, like and did and like that's what we see in, in the um in fade to black. Mm-hmm. And like I, I found that out because like I was reading, you know, like they do write ups ten years later, fifteen years later, and they said that like Kanye was like demanding. They were like Kanye, like you don't have like you. He was like I need to be there to explain yeah. to him what's going on. I can't get it over the phone. I need to be there in person and like they did that. Yeah. Yeah. So Um, I just thought that was dope. Um, What what they were able to bring out with that song and the emotion. I do think that once we get to the end of it, I do think that placement on this album kind of stopped, kind of getting a little little, little hitch in the giddy up. Okay. Um, I I can can agree with that too. Mm -hmm. And then um, (laughs) 
we get into your favorite song that comes in next, which is Change Clothes. Worst song on the album. Worst Change song on the Clothes. album. Stupid. Jay, like, Jay-Z was bugging. That was some elitist shit. Him making us wear those ugly-ass French collar shirts. I can't believe I bought them shits. Yo, I'll never had... forgive Jay for that shit. <laughs> I definitely had to... Um, I had a Rockaware button-up that I loved. It was a Rockaware button-up. It was white, blue, and gray. And um, the collars were big as fuck. Collars were big Really as big collars. And I had these uh, these jeans that went with it. These blue jeans that went with it. And um, and I had these... And I had this fitted. This fitted that I used to wear with it together. And these white uptowns. I look like a fucking fool. But back then, I used to get mad compliments on that fit. It was, it was just... What a sick era. Yo, it what was a, a sick, sick era. era. It was a sick era. I really thought I was making my grandmother proud. She was like, I am so happy that she dressed up now. Yeah. Like, you know? like and, and, my, and, and I'm, I don't know where those pictures are, but I hope that my mother never develops them. My mom is notorious. My mom has so many, like, she, she would take pictures of me all the time, but never get them developed. Hmm. So some of them probably got destroyed. Like, I don't, I don't, I'll never, like, this picture from, like, my graduation that I'll never see because my mom probably got the mess up because we moved so much when mm-hmm. I was younger. But I hope to God that my French my French button up shirt era is fucking erased. This nigga Hove used to wear um, like thirty six waist jeans with a with a legit thirty six. Hove was wearing forties, bro. Yeah, with a legit with a legit collar long sleeve collar shirt with a, um with a vest over it mm-hmm. and a tie. That yeah. shit was crazy, and a, and a and a Yankee fitted. Yeah, and a Yankee fitted, bro. Like how does out here was time. doing bad? And I was bro. like, yo, this nigga is cool. <laughs> yeah, we all, we all thought that. <laughs> it it was whole. Even at that time, did you have one of them hats with um one of those uh um brim hats, brim scullies? No, I never did that. So I'm as you as you as you know, I'm very particular. I only wear regular scullies. Um, I wear fitteds, and I wear like the Nike uh. Dad hats, yeah, yeah. But like, I'm very like particular about that. So like, certain like certain hats getting out of the range of getting a little crazy with the hats. I don't do that. Yeah, yeah. I would no, experiment I, that much I with had, hats. I had that shit. I had that. <laughs> I had that. Um, that brim. That brim shit. Because it was like, I mean, at that time, it was like, well, whatever Hove does, he's kind of the person that ushers in the new style wave. So it was that, like, you're all right, right. Well, I agree with you on that. Yeah. yeah so absolutely. Like, all right. Well, this is about to come up. This is about to be a thing. So. Alright, so I'll tell you I'll tell you what the difference was though for me, like with the influence. Because like all right, so Jay Z was setting the standard, but I would I was living in I was finishing high school in Atlanta, but I'll always come back to New York. And like in Harlem, like there were trends that was going on in Harlem that like wasn't like mainstream, but it was those trends in Harlem. So I just wanted to fit in and be like with Harlem niggas. Mm-hmm. So certain trends that Hope did, I didn't follow. I came home with that French button up and got fucking laughed out the fucking building and, and never wore that shit again. So I learned my lesson with that shit. But yeah, like there was just certain shit that I just like wouldn't do. So like, you know, like I would that that's when like I, I so from that moment on, that's when I discovered like J. Crew. Okay. Okay. And I started getting I started getting like college button up shirts. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, tone it down. It was like, yo, you could do that, but like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, so I started getting like college button up shirts and then like wearing like Rockin' Republics, um, like a Vizool or Red Monkey was still like a big deal. Mm-hmm. But like, I started like learning about like denim and shit like that. So then like, um, Citizens of Humanity jeans, like things like that, like those are the jeans I started wearing with my button up shirts, but I just kept it like very like minimal. I stopped wearing like these over the top. 
ugly, ugly yeah. things. I didn't get into like the bedazzled belt era and everything. Nah, like, that wasn't my shit. I didn't do that. Yeah, I didn't do that either. Like, but like, I just wanted to make sure niggas home didn't make fun of me. So I just, had, I just had to not wear that ugly Jay Z. Something that'll just let that that'll fly. Something yeah. that'll fly. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel that. Um, and then, well, change clothes. Honestly, I used to really like the video. I thought the video was cool. It was I like mean, this yeah. big, like, kind of like fashion show type thing. Yeah, that was dope, man. That he was even great. Put, he even put emphasis in the video on like it being his last album. Like, he walks in and he's like, Yeah, tonight we're just going to have fun. And they're like, Yeah, this is your last album, huh? And he's like, Yeah, but we're just going to have fun tonight. And I was like, Okay, Hove. And then they had like, this whole show. He had Naomi Campbell in the video. Of course, Pharrell yeah. was there. Yeah. It was a fun video. Um, but yeah, the song, I don't know why he did this as the first official single to like your, you know, I guess as a way to take the pressure off of him, right? Because a lot of people was like, well, as your last album, what's going to be the song that kind of takes it away, right? I can't believe he, the first he, single. I can't believe that he really like put like invested in fucking change clothes. That shit yeah. sucked. It wasn't, but, um, it wasn't that great. That shit um, sucked. I kind of want to skip Dirt Off Your Shoulder because I, like, I feel like Dirt Off Your Shoulder is just a song that's like... Dirt Off Your Shoulder has aged like milk. Back then, when it came out, I really used to like this song. Um, I, I, I even I felt the way he felt when when Timbo played it for him on mm-hmm. Fade to Black. And he was like, "Yo, what's that?" Because mm-hmm. it sounded crazy. But when you listen to it now, it the effect just isn't there anymore. That's it how just I feel about a lot of Timberland beats. It just didn't age very well. It's mm-hmm. not. It's not very. So it's so commercial. It's just. Right. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I'll tell you the moment that 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 Dirt of Your Shoulder became corny to me, and I and that, I don't know. Some people might not like it. When Barack Obama dusted the sh- the dust off his shoulder, that's immediately when that song became corny to me. What? But Barack is cool. He is cool, but I like Barack is like my grandfather. I mean, yeah, I get that. I think so. Barack and his and his. I guess. Okay, so how do you feel about? How do you feel about when Barack does this thing every year where he does a playlist? I think that's amazing. I think that's dope. So then, what's the difference? He that's like what the fuck was that? That was just a little reference. That's cool. Eh. But if you think the playlist is cool and you think that's corny, I don't. I don't. I think they because go one because the same. him like his his preference of music isn't corny to me. Him dusting off his shoulder when he walks away, like really doing it, it's crazy. Yeah, he's cheesy. He's that, a little. That he's was a little, cheesy. He has little dad humor that people like. That that wasn't. I like dad humor. That wasn't dad humor. That that was staged and it was, it was inauthentic. But I want to talk about Threat. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about Threat because that is a song that kind of like made like Ninth Wonder like solidified in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it's a little controversial because Jay's concept for the album was doing over um, R. Kelly's A Woman's Threat. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Threat, I think that the, that this song pretty much... Did the most like this song on the, on the black album did the most for Knife Wonder more than anyone on the album, even Jay Z. I feel like Knife Wonder like it made him a made man in the music industry. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because you know the menstrual show was doing really well. A lot of people fucked with Knife Wonder and Little Brother, and like producers like loved them and like were like surrounding them and like doing a lot to be around them and see you know what they had going on when they were cooking. Mm-hmm. But I think that when he got his placement on the black album. He was a main man, and I think that um, actually, Knife Wonder has like a, a a quote where he said that like he realized that backpackers are the real assholes and not like the rich, flashy rappers. Well, why? Well, I have an idea of why he would say that, but why do you why do you think he said that? 
He said that like most backpackers are like angry and like they're conspiracy theorists and they're like mad yeah. at the world. Yeah. He was like, but like when you meet rappers like a Jay Z or like a Fabulous, like they just mad like laid back and like just normal. Mm-hmm. Like they don't they don't make everything like some like the world me against the world, the world against me. Like they're not brooding, they're not always whining about shit. A lot of backpack rappers come off as snobs. Yeah. They come off as snobs, elitists. They feel like they know. They feel like because they can phrase things a certain way, it makes them a little better than a lot of rappers. Yeah. Um, and they have these grudges. You know? Yeah, and they hold grudges and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And like he said that, you know, kind of he got, because he worked with Jay, it opened, it opened up him into other rooms and stuff like that. Like, you know, like he was able to work with, he got placement with Destiny Child. Mm-hmm. Out on with that on their project, I think for Destiny, Destiny Fulfilled. Destiny album. Fulfilled, yeah. Yeah, so I think that like, he, yeah, like he was able to meet these people and be like, oh shit, like you're not a snob, you're not an asshole. And I think like, it made him realize, like, yo, fuck these backpackers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he, um, he probably realized he was limiting himself. Yeah, but I, I really, like, enjoyed this project, and I enjoyed how he was able to chop it up. Because, like, when you think... When people think about Jay-Z, they don't think of Jay-Z having the mind of a producer. They think that he just raps, mm-hmm. that he just goes in there. But, like, he already had the concept in his head. He mm-hmm. knew how he wanted to do it. And he was just like, yo, can you do this? And put him on the spot. Mm-hmm. And mind you, like, they said that um, Knife Wonder came with, like, 29 songs. Like, they, they said he flew up same day, got there, and Jay was just like, all right, like, I'm going to go out and do something. And left him in the studio at Baseline in the B-room. And like, mm-hmm. he was just like, yo, do what you do. And then they said Jay came back, like, because he was prepared, because Guru never left Baseline. So, like, Guru was like, yo, like, don't, like, because Guru was the one who was, like, pushing for him. Mm-hmm. So, Guru was like, don't worry, like, we can stay here, we can order food or whatever like that. And, like, they didn't expect Hope to come back. And he came back mm-hmm. and, like, heard it and was like, all right, I'm going to start working on this, so I'm going to take it with me. I just think that that's a really dope story. Yeah, that is fire. Because he kind of just, he he just let him do what he did, even yeah. though he had his own concept. And fucking shout out to Cedric the Entertainer mm-hmm. for like really tying this song together. Um, yeah. I just remember at the time, mm-hmm. really liking um, really liking that skit. And I'm a huge Cedric, Cedric the Entertainer fan. Like he's so slept on, in my opinion, as a comedian. Um, but like... Hearing him at first and not really knowing who he was and always laughing at the at, at his part on this song. Right, because he changed his voice a little yeah, bit, right? Yeah, and I just didn't know who that was. And I was like, and then I was reading the credits because, you know, we had the booklets and shit yeah. back then. And I was like, Cedric Danton. I was like, oh shit, like mm-hmm. that's him. Mm-hmm. And it made me appreciate it more. Like, cause he he really tied that track together. <laughs> Sorry. That's the that's another funny thing. So Knife Wonder said that, like Jay-Z told him, like, yeah, and I want Cedric Entertainment to be on that talking shit. And he was like, oh, so like how we like, um, you know, like how are you going to contact him? He was like, he's in the other room playing pool right now. Like he said that Jay-Z kept like pretty much like Just making shit, yeah, make, making shit like a pair. Yeah. So what track do you want to get to next? So um, so that takes us, of course, into Moment of Clarity, which was, I think this was one of, this was part of Eminem's defining moment as a producer. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people do uh, recognize Renegade as being that. But I think this one was like... Oh shit! Eminem is really producing, and he's learning from Dre. And it's not my favorite beat. It's you know, it's it's okay. It was brooding. I liked it. Yeah, it's okay. But like, yes, that is a good word for it. It was brooding. I think a track like this in the middle of this album was really important for this album. Um, for him to kind of do callbacks yeah. to to the rest of his discography, mm-hmm. and um and talk about like what he's looking forward to, how he feels about his dad dying, and it was a big moment for this album. Yeah. Um, him talking about his dad was like the biggest thing for me because um, there were so because obviously wherever you've been 
is a song that yeah. like was like a standout for me from Jay on the, on the Dynasty. And so like him talking about his dad, and then I remember, I forgot which magazine it was, but like you know he he said that like uh his mother kept pushing for like his father was sick and his mother kept pushing for them to reconcile because mm-hmm. they were in touch. And the one time that Jay like they were supposed to like have a meetup. He didn't show, and mm-hmm. Jay was like, "You see, mm-hmm. like I wasted my time." And then, like he finally did it, and like so, like Jay wanted to make him comfortable, so Jay got him an apartment, you know, bought him new stuff, and like made him comfortable. In yeah, the last, because yeah, in the end mm-hmm. of his life, and then mm-hmm. you know, Jay went to the funeral and everything like that. But um, so to me, like hearing him like give his thoughts on everything like that, I was just like, damn, like you know, I'm glad like he he literally got that closure because it just sucked, like you know, mm-hmm. and then. You know, like him, like learning more about it. Like, as if you know Jay Z's story, like you learned that okay, his uncle was murdered, mm-hmm. and his father like couldn't deal with that hurt so bad that like he went out to go find the killer of his baby brother. Mm-hmm. So it was like you know Jay, as a man, as he grew up, he realized like, oh shit, my pop. It wasn't that my pops didn't fuck with me. It was like yo, somebody killed my brother. I probably go looking for that nigga. Yeah. Too. And, and it's that like, took it's some a, growth for, on his yeah. part to actually think about right. shit like because you got to think he was he wasn't thinking about outside of himself and like yeah it's fucked up that like he left his children but like you know he's just like it, you know what i'm saying like his like i guess he was like yo that's my brother like i love my brother that's my mm-hmm. mother's son mm-hmm. you know so i guess for me like knowing that and like I, as you guys see like i'm a jay-z historian baby just knowing that and hearing the song was just like touching like you know like some people say that like jay-z doesn't like let people in or like give much insight into his life and he actually does he actually tells us a lot of his business yeah and i don't think people really take that it's just that he doesn't do it in a formal interview type way um yeah you know you gotta like really listen to his to his records to kind of unpack the type of person and his history Mm -hmm. um uh what you call it truthfully i want to rhyme like common sense but i did five mil i ain't been rhyming like common sense now do you think he really meant that yes as far as like his rap skill? You think he just really dialed it down to appeal to the masses? Yeah. Okay. Um. I because I think that's partially true. I don't think I don't think he necessarily. I couldn't see how. I mean, maybe because it's so you know. I it's think just I not, think it's I think it's too literal. I don't think that he wants to like um, wear a kufi and grow a beard and um, wear like peace sign t shirts and mm-hmm. like you know what well, shit he kind of does. Dress like that a little bit. It's now. such a good but, like, and even the part after that, when your sense got that much in common, and you've been I hustling think, since yeah. your inception, fuck perception, go with what makes sense. Since I know what I'm up against, mm-hmm. us as people, us as ma- us as rappers, must decide what's most important. Yeah. Like it was like he really, but he's look, like, yo, look, this is why I'm selling out. Yeah, like, but I <laughs> guess for me, like, but look at that that bar right there. I think it's a lot of things that like Jay Z. I think it's a lot of conflict for Jay Z, right? Because I think that for him, like he's like a constant like seeker of knowledge, and like he's constantly like learning. He reads a lot of books. He's an mm-hmm. avid reader, so obviously like he's a person that like has like a lot of thoughts and a lot of things to say. He he loves conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, he has like a like most people that have like dark, dry senses of humor, kind of like are like more so like com- like people that question things and convers like have conversations. And I think it's a lot of shit that he wants to like rhyme about, but he's like, yo, like I gotta. That's not going to make no money. That's not going to make me no money right now. You know what I'm saying? And and I think that he knows, like, as r- most rappers know that they have to dial shit down. Like, mm-hmm. Lupe Fiasco talks about that. He was like, yo, the shit that I really be wanting to rap about, like, the metaphors and talking around shit, I can't do because you won't even get it. 
And I think and I yeah. think that's why somebody like a mortal technique, right? Like a mortal technique, like there's people that like know like he can like wrap wrap circles around with the best of them. Mm-hmm. But nobody wanna hear that shit. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I, and I think that has a lot to do with us as consumers too, right? Because if we really ate that type of content up, then rap will be a lot different. Like they they would actually cater their styles to be in that, that type of content. Um, you know, even you know, that that verse he unpacks a lot because he says like, Oh, I can't help the poor if I'm one of them, so I got rich and gave back. To me, that's the win-win. Yeah. Um, He'll never. Jay Z will never. Jay Z will never be able to do enough in a lot of people's eyes. There's some like he has like the Sean Carter Foundation. He's done things with like through his mother's foundation. He has the Marcy Gives Back Foundation. He has like multiple foundations. Donates money whenever there's like a large crisis involved. Like he donates money and everything. He donated money to Columbine before it was like cool for rappers to do that. 9-11, like, there's things that he does for, like, 9-11. And, like, people just look at it and they just, like, you have a money bank like your Scrooge McDuck that you dive into every day and you need mm-hmm. to give away more money. And it's just, like, shit. <laughs> like, he just, like, he'll never, like, I just feel like he just always just going to have his back up against the wall where, like, people just think he's not doing enough or he's flashing too much or why does he need that much money? It's just, always, like, he's a capitalist. Like, yeah. that's just the truth of it. And, like, people don't like capitalists mm-hmm. until they become one. Like there are some people who will give the money back and like donate like most of their money and things like that. There are, definitely are, but like majority of people that that are presented with the things that are in their in their shoes, they'll probably be a worse person. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Um, so moment of clarity, which is a very important moment in the album, takes us into ninety nine problems, which was produced by Rick Rubin. Uh, departure for whole sound up until this point, right? Super different. Did Collision Course come out before or after this? After. Came out, okay, so this is this was the predecessor to Collision Course. Okay, mm-hmm. um, I think it's pretty cool that uh, the evolution of what Rick Rubin was doing because Rick Rubin was like more like he was more into punk rock than he was into hip hop when he joined forces with Russell Simmons. Mm-hmm. It's just that back in the eighties, punk rock and hip hop were just like they were like cousins mm-hmm. um, because they were both underground and they were both like anti-establishment on the scene and everything like that, right? So Rick Rubin. Pairs up, run DMC with Aerosmith. We get um, walk this way. You know, he basically make, takes the Beastie Boys, makes the stop stops him from being a punk rock man to being like a hip hop group, mm-hmm. and they become one of the best selling hip hop groups ever. Like they they put out um, Hello Nasty, and that shit did like ten million records. Right, that was like one of the first rap acts to even like do something like that at the time. And I just think that. Uh, him doing 99 problems like that was just like a, a full circle moment for Rick Rubin and I think that is really cool because you know a lot of people think that like alright Rick Rubin parted ways with Russell Simmons and that was it but like he actually like went on to like work with like legendary rock bands right like Chili Peppers um, Johnny Cash mm-hmm. like you know like he's like won Grammys and like he's helped so many like artists like artists in the music industry like you know come up with great sounding albums and then him to go to Jay right and then we have our friend Chris Rock make the suggestion, like, yo, I see got someone called 99 Problems. You should remake that shit. He goes Rick Rubin with it, and they actually, like, make that shit work. I just thought, like, and then, like, I think uh, the, my highlight of the Black album is watching Jay-Z, cre- like, craft that entire album, that, yeah. that entire song yeah. at his crib. I thought that was really dope because it was, like, Jay-Z was paying homage to, like, so many different people at that time. Like you could say that he was paying homage to Slick Rick with him like basically playing multiple characters yeah. in the song. It um, even sounds like a Slick Rick voice. Right, yeah, right. So like he did that and like it's impressive because 
like Rick Rubin's like um, talking to um, MCA from Beastie Boys, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Yo, he, he does it right." He's like, "Yeah, I know it's crazy, right?" Mm-hmm. Like they're like fascinated yeah, by yeah, that yeah. shit. Yeah. And like he's sitting there, and like Jay's like, "All right, play play my track back so I can talk to myself and record it." And I just thought that was just like dope mm-hmm. to like see that and like see the recording process and see how how much like effort Jay Z puts into it, like how much hard work he puts into like doing like his craft. I just mm-hmm. thought that was dope. And, like him even like doing takes over. And like humbling himself, you know, I just thought that like all of that stuff was just really cool. Yeah, and like him doing it with Rick Rubin, I thought was like dope. I think it. I think it was a great departure in this album. Um, it kind of just it lands dead smack after, and it, and there's no way to kind of like lead into this song mm-hmm. without it sounding like a little off in the album. But it more than makes up for it. It's a solid, solid song. Um, and I'm and I'm really. Back then, I didn't know how I felt about it because I was like, "Yo, this this shit just lands out of nowhere." Like after a moment of clarity, it just comes on and it just blasts. Like mm-hmm. it's just like, "Oh shit!" Like it just takes you. Yeah, there. man, placement. But it's a it's a great song. Um, and then of course, you know, things kind of calm back down mm-hmm. to a level field with a PSA, public service announcement interlude. Mm-hmm. Um, some would say one of the best, uh, one of the best rap interludes that there mm-hmm. is is. Is uh, just Blaze's masterpiece in his <laughs> discography. He plays and he lets us know it. <laughs> that nigga plays it in every set that he has. We got a lot to talk about. Um, so I, I guess this is your point where you're about to get to where you where you talk about just okay. Number one, um, PSA made the, like they had the they had to stop the printing of the album because he got PSA to Jay Z in the in the eleventh hour. Mm. He like he was like yo Jay I got this beat I need you rapping Jay was like the albums the CDs already getting like made and he was like you got to stop it mm-hmm. so he got it and he did so good on it he was just like yo like Jay was like this is an end like I don't need he I put this on deluxe and just was like no this has to make the album mm-hmm. so he got it on there and you know everything was all good so there's a rap called there's a rap group called Black Moon Black Moon has a song that says that pretty much uses the same exact sample. And it came out two weeks before the Black album. Mm-hmm. And they say that just, and in, in it's in this, on their album called Total Eclipse. Um, the sample is Seed of Love. The sample and the, and the song is by the Little the little Boy Blues. So they say that Just Blaze was in their studio and heard them use that sample. And Just Blaze, that's where he got the idea from the craft. Just Blaze says that's not true. It's just a coincidence. Like, you know, I'm not, I wasn't thinking about you guys. But like, pretty much that was their lead single. So obviously Jay Z, the bigger artist, put it out and like so nobody talks about them. Mm-hmm. Like and Black Sheep, like they're like a, a legendary underground rap group. But like this was like I think they had like this was their comeback album. So like they don't have any beef with Hope because obviously Hope wouldn't know he didn't he wasn't in that session. But the fact that like Just Blaze, they feel like the fact that Just Blaze did that, you know, just adds on to the the argument that like Bank has like that like. You know, the only reason why Just Blaze gets a place from C-Diz is because he signed with um, Hip Hops in 1978. Mm-hmm. Bink didn't. So that's the difference. And that's why Just Blaze got the push and the placement and got the relationship with Rockefeller. And a lot of people and a lot of people say that. Like, there's, there's some people that say that, like, you know, that Just Blaze are, like, have sessions with some young producers that take their ideas mm-hmm. and make it his. And that's why, like, you know, people like the Heat Makers and Bank don't fuck with him. Mm. Black Moon absolutely hates just Blaze. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, shit. If they feel that way about him stealing their content, then yeah, they, yeah. I, of course they hate that nigga. Yeah, I, I saw it and I was just like, because, you know, I always saw the Bank interviews, right? 
And like I never thought about it before. But then when I saw this, I was like, hold on, there's a pattern here. <laughs> what is going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so um, well, I mean that sucks, but it doesn't take away from how amazing this song is. Yeah, it's great. Unfortunately, it's just it's just a great song. I think a lot of the momentum is in that beat build up. It's in the way that his verse comes on. The second verse isn't as strong as the first verse, but overall, it's a classic, classic song. Yeah, I think that is amazing, and I think that he should, like he he opens like almost every show with that. Yeah, yeah, he because I mean, like you he have has to. to. Yeah. It's a staple. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, justify my thug comes after this, and to be honest, it fell flat. Um, it does. Justify my thug is crazy because it's like you know it's a it's a play off of uh, justify my love mm-hmm. from uh, Madonna. Yeah. Um, there's Run DMC samples on there. Lenny Kravitz works on the pro- on the, on the song. Mm-hmm. And I want to like this song so bad. Yeah, like, I was produced by DJ Quick. Yeah, I want to like it, but mm-hmm. I just know that it's not good. It's not. It's not very good. Hove got some bars in there, but nah. Yeah, it's not that. That beat just isn't my shit. Like it's mm-hmm. not. But then you know, Lucifer is after this. Yes, Lucifer is fucking fire. Lucifer is an amazing. Lucifer song. is like that. Is a it's a it's a whole B side. I love Lucifer. It's a whole B side, yeah. Lucifer, um, Lucifer is incredible. Amazing. Even just seeing, even you mentioned Fate the Black. Even seeing whole, I mean, um, Kanye making this beat yeah. was great. It seeing was, what he contributed to it because yeah. he kind of, Hove kind of uses the bridge that uh, that that Kanye did for this song. Mm-hmm. He was he ultimately yeah. used it and he, Kanye, he put Kanye, that in the yeah, song. Kanye gave like a reference to like what yeah. he wanted him to do. Yeah, and um, the thing that you don't know. All right, so what's funny is is that like. Me hearing the song, knowing it was about Bob Marley sample, right? I was young at this time, and I didn't know that um, Biggs and Hip Hop had another brother named Babala. Mm-hmm. My mom knew Babala, but I didn't know Babala. Mm-hmm. So we were listening to it, and like my mom like started like tearing up, and I was like, "What are you? What's wrong?" And she was like, "That verse is for Bob." And I was like, "Oh yeah, Bob Marley." And she was like, "No." <laughs> She was like, Babala was like down with Rockefeller in them, and he just he got murdered, and like nobody, like it's like an unsolved murder. Nobody knows why the dude shot and killed him. Bob didn't have no beef with anybody. Like it was just like some random shit. Until this day, they don't know who killed him. Mm. And um, actually, it's is really fun. Is is there's a there's another funny story. I'll tell you that off camera though. But um, it's like they never they never found the killer, right? So with that being said. <clears throat> Jay, like I, I just was like, like floored at that. That that was his verse in dedication to to Bob Lop, his good friend Biggs and Biggs Burke and and Hip Hop's older mm-hmm. brother. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, damn, like you know, like the way to like wrap that up. And all this time, I like well before that, I thought it was in dedication to Bob Marley. Yeah, I didn't know. I mean, shit, I didn't know that about that. Yeah, so I, that verse is for Bob Lop. He was it was like a it was like a senseless murder. And like he like he was uh, like down with you know like Dame Dash and all of them they crew and like it was like a big deal in Harlem because mm-hmm. like Bob was like beloved, senseless murder mm-hmm. no no reason for it, just killed. Mm-hmm. And then, man, the way this album just ends like it's yeah. just right it's just a ride into the sunset at this point. Yeah, because then it's followed by Lucifer's followed by Allure, which is produced by the Neptunes and. Um, this is one of my favorite Jay Z songs ever. Ever, it's one of the best Jay Z songs ever made, and it's literally it literally is the perfect. I don't know how the fuck nobody thought to get pain in the ass on this song. To do I think he was supposed to he was supposed to be on this album. 
Yeah, I don't know how it didn't happen. And didn't remember like we were getting like 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 teasers mm-hmm. that he was going to be on four forty four four four. Yeah, I he think was recording he, something. Yeah, he recorded something. And I think he did. I think they just didn't use it. Like yeah. they went another route. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, and it's funny because like this was like Pharrell's re- well Pharrell and and Chad because I forgot we got to stop only saying Pharrell Pharrell and Chad's redemption for change clothes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, this was this was incredible. And even watching in Fade to Black. Um, how Pharrell, Pharrell's attitude going towards this song. He just mm-hmm. knew it was fire. Yeah. He knew that Hov would like it. Mm-hmm. He was like, yo, I'm in the studio. I'll see you in a minute. Like, I need you. It. I need you to get here. And then like he gives Jay the speech. And Jay's like, that's it? Mm-hmm. Like, that's what I... <laughs> he was like, that's it? Nigga, go in yeah, the booth. Go in the booth. Do, do your thing. Yeah. Um, he pitched it to him. And I that was one of my favorite things about Fade to Black was just watching how artists would pitch their songs and their ideas to Hov yeah. and how he would react to it. Because if he wasn't feeling it, like you knew. He wasn't mm-hmm. feeling it, and he wasn't gonna do it. Yeah. Um, um, even when he did, when he did Allure, and when he did Lucifer, it kind of felt more like it was in service of Kanye because Kanye liked it so much. Mm-hmm. But it ended up being so good. Yeah. And the same thing with Allure. Like Allure just feels like a fucking him. It just feels so fucking good. Like when you listen to it, the production is perfect. Um, what he's rapping about is great. Like my brother hustles so naturally. Up next with me. Like that's like. It's just, he just kind of, the chorus is the great. Verse, the verse of him saying, I never felt more alive than riding in Klein's green file. Yeah. Now, if you ever had a friend that was a drug dealer and you rode in his really expensive car, mm-hmm. knowing that like you're reaping the benefits of your drug dealer friend, but knowing that you didn't have to do any of the drug dealing yeah, and you're yeah. riding in his car really fast mm-hmm. uh, or her car really fast, it's one of the best feelings in the world. Like, yo, I'm getting to like be a part of this shit yeah. and I ain't had to sell a dime of drugs. This is yeah. great. <laughs> Like yeah, I just thought that was dope, and um, you know, I thought that was a really cool story. And it's always cool. It's always funny, right? Because a lot of the hustlers that Jay Z raps about, and as soon as he don't fuck with them no more, Mm -hmm. and then they always go to Vlad and give you like a a a behind the scenes story of like why they fell out or why they still cool or whatever like that. And like the the dude Calvin Klein from Brooklyn, like he he had his interviews, and I thought that was really interesting. It's always funny, like in the in the multiverse of of the, the Jay Z universe, like finding out like all like the people he used to be friends with, yeah, or rappers, yeah. or people that he references in his songs and stuff like that. They like, come out, they come out the woodwork. Yo, man. bro, we, we was cool. getting the Haven videos like every week. Yeah, bro. Yeah, and it just wouldn't stop. He made, every yeah. week he was dropping something talking about Hove. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so the album officially closes off with my first song. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. That's the last song. That's the one that's taking us into the sunset. That's the one that gives us the thank yous at the end. Um, that's the one with the Biggie uh, sample that the you, Biggie, that you so, mentioned. Okay, yeah. So the Biggie sample, they it was the, it was stolen <laughs> from the archives at, at MTV. Mm-hmm. They had VHS tapes of like old Biggie of, of interviews of like everybody that like was never used, mm-hmm. and they used it for Jay Z. Like um, so the who was the producers of Agua on this one, right? Who was the producer? Um, on? The producer on yeah, Agua. So Agua was interning at MTV, mm-hmm. and he took all of the HS tapes home. And when they were crafting it, they knew that it would be like a dope surprise to like have him like talking, and like it would you know be special to Jay. So they were like, "Yo, it's no way he's not going to take this shit with Big on it already." Mm-hmm. So he produced it with Big on there already, so that he can get on there and start rhyming. I see. It was okay. like it was like he was like, "Yo, I know I know how we can get on the album." I'm going somewhere yeah. nice where no mosquitoes at. 
Yeah, man. Yeah, Jay definitely looked like he was like whenever his family went down south, he was like in hell, like getting bit up by mosquitoes and shit like that. <laughs> he absolutely gives that gives that off to me. Um, yeah. Um, I think that this album has like a lot of there's. It just was arranged improperly, but I think that this album has a lot of great songs. If it was a final album, yeah, absolutely. I think. Um, okay, I'll ask you this: Do you think? Um, do you think we got? You think if this was Jay Z's last album that you would have been satisfied? And how do you feel about the content that he's put out after his quote unquote last album? Like, does it measure up? Do you think he needed to come back? Yeah, I think that. Um, I think Jay Z absolutely needed to come back. Um, not because the Black album wasn't a good enough album to retire off of. I think that he needed to come back just because like it just fills a void and he showed it's kind of like. Laying down the blue, the blueprint, no pun intended, of showing how a rapper can age in hip hop, mm-hmm. because we made the mistake of like thinking like, yo, hip hop is just now turning fifty years old, mm-hmm. and like we didn't we didn't know how to like have rappers be old in hip hop and like be able to like move and like make albums of being mature because you know people as people say hip hop is a rap is a young person's game, and I think that we needed Jay to do that, and I think that. With him making like continuing to make projects, um, especially a project like 444. Like obviously, there's some people that have some beefs with that album. I think that what he did with 444 was really like honest and like cool to like hear, and because it's like he's a full on family man now. So it's just like, excuse me, coming from that perspective, like I thought that that was really cool because a lot of our our favorite rappers that. Asian hip hop, like let, let's take somebody like LL. The reason why he had a hard time, I think, making projects is because like he doesn't he 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 makes songs where he gets personal. Like he's has records where he talked about like you know growing up like you know being raised by his grandmother, his mom being on drugs, um, his father, his stepfather being abusive. Mm-hmm. He he has those songs right, but like it he didn't go like he still trying to make party records. He's like I could see LL trying to make a drill record or something like that, mm-hmm. and like stepping out of his comfort zone and like, like looking old. Mm-hmm. Whereas Jay-Z like stays in his lane and he just continues doing what he does. And I think Nas also, I think Nas has done it better, but I think that Nas also has figured it out. And I think that it's it's a good thing. Like if you're a musician, you should be able to musician to the day you die. You shouldn't have to be forced to retire. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that Jay-Z decided to come out of retirement and just do what he loves and just make music whenever the fuck he feels like it. I'm yeah. just happy that... The whole stigma of oh you can't be a rap like yo bro I'm getting older some I don't I don't want to hear none of this young shit I want to mm-hmm. hear shit as I get older too so I'm mm-hmm. just glad that he did that and and continues to make music Jay take your time whenever you decide to make music I'm gonna listen to it and that's mm-hmm. great yeah so that would actually pivot us into our rating for this album mm-hmm. um what's your overall rating for the um, black album four out of five waffles um. It wasn't a perfect album by any means. You guys know, like, I have, like, really, really high standards for what a classic album could can be. And I just think that the Black album, like, it was just, like, a, it was a solid project from Jay-Z. It was solid production. And, you know, he just he just gave us a really solid album, and it just wasn't arranged properly. And that's, mm-hmm. that's what stops me from calling it a classic. I, I'd agree with that. I think it's not, um, the arrangement of it kind of kind of takes takes away some of the rating for me. And also some of the songs just haven't aged that well. You got like um, you got you know dirt off your shoulder. I'm I'm okay with never hearing again. Change clothes. I don't need to hear that again either. Um, 
And justify my thug. Justify my thug. I don't need to hear that. So it's like, you know, there's certain parts on this album that I'm just like, ugh, I just wish this wasn't here. But I think it would have been a well-placed album for him to kind of just ride into the sunset with and not come back. But I do agree with you in the sense that like he needed to come back to kind of show how to age gracefully and rap to. and to just stay how to stay in your lane without looking corny. Mm-hmm. Like how to how to still be up to date without looking corny, I should say. Yeah. Um I would agree with the four uh rating. Um it's a very it's a very pivotal album for him and I don't think he should regret this time frame because when he talks about retirement and all of that stuff you know, I can kind of see how he cringes when he does interviews around like the Kingdom yeah. Come time frame. Yeah. When he would talk about Black Album, he would cringe because he's back. Yeah. And I don't think it was his intention to come back. But, you know, when you love the game, you love the game. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I agree. Um, I also have one last thing to say. Mm-hmm. I think that the, the rollout for this album was the greatest rollout of all time <laughs> for an album. Really? I think it was better than Get Rich or Die Trying and College Dropout. Well, why is that? Because it was his last album. It was emotional. Like it had an emotional tie. We thought we we thought this was it. Like literally, he was going places and like he was getting a retirement tour, like how Kareem Abdul Jabbar did when he retired. Yeah. Or like Kobe did when he retired. Mm-hmm. Like the way he was getting treated was like how like athletes get treated when they retire from their respective sport. Mm-hmm. Like it was national news. Like it wasn't it wasn't like something like where you like turn on channel seven, like 50 Cent, he was shot nine times. Yeah. Like, no, it was rapper Jay-Z is putting a cap on his glorious career. Yeah. Like, yeah. he just sold out Master Square it's Garden, just... mind you, before Nas. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody talking about Nas out of the garden. Like, Jay-Z did that like a week and like for a week straight. But, sorry, just I'm sorry. That was a Jay-Z fan. <laughs> sorry about that. Sorry about that. It's all peaceful now. But I, I just wanted to just make that point. Like, if you think about album rollouts, right? Like, I get it. Like, there's like stories and things that like go along with it but like the album rollout for this album there'll be no better album rollout it wasn't unless unless, rollout. unless unless drake retires officially it makes a retirement album like actually drake makes could, yeah drake i think drake could do i think drake could top it drake don't lean drake in, gonna go on ellen and dance oh drake forgot, don't, forgot ellen's retired now. Yeah. she don't even got a show no more drake don't lean into his legacy enough like i think he needs to i mean and a lot of it has to do with him just Keeping up with the times and like working with a lot of younger rappers, he does that. He does that to, to to continue looking young, to stay relevant and look young. Yes, but I think he needs to start embracing this OG um thing. That's like it's on his back, man. He needs to just embrace it. It's coming. Um, it is coming. He's he, you know, he's up there. Yeah. He's getting up there, as yeah. he, as Yachty would say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I extended his closing too, but I just it just popped in my head like, oh shit, I gotta make my grand statement. Yeah, I mean that's I mean that's what it is, and I think I think the Black Album. All in all, from everything that we got from it with Hov, his development as an MC, he don't even rap like this anymore. It, it, it's kind of switched. You know, yeah. he's seen, it's a lot of woke raps now, though, but mm-hmm. that's neither here nor there. I do say it's still a great, solid project. I'm First Class Reg. And I'm Tori MV. We out of here. Catch you next time. Dun, dun.